Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Thanks for being with us. As Timothy said, my name is Daniel, and I am one of the pastors. And glad uh, you've decided to be at the 1045 service with us. Uh, maybe you don't care about World Cup. A lot of people at 9, I gave a hard time. They came to the 9 a.m. so they could get back for the World Cup. Some of you are recording it, so you're good. Uh, either way, uh, we're glad you're here. Some of you I know are first or second-time guests, and I don't know how you've come into our church and our community, if uh, somebody invited you in, you stumbled across our website, or you just recently moved to Durham, however it is, we're really, really glad you're here and you're with us, and I hope you feel welcome uh, as a part of our community. We're continuing in our summer sermon series this morning in uh, the New Testament epistle of First John. We titled this series Light and Love for many reasons, but the, probably the main reason being that this is one of the major ways that the Apostle John, the author of this letter, breaks this letter down. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he writes, For this is the message, God is light, and begins to drive home the truth of God being light. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, he writes again, For this is the message, indicating he's about to drive home a new truth for the remainder of the letter, and it's the truth that God is love. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, and we're going to look to verse 18. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, as is our custom, to give attention to God's Word. This is God's Word to us this morning. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and ask that you would speak to us. The Spirit of God that spoke in the beginning and created all things would speak now and recreate in us a new heart, new thoughts, new actions. I pray that we would encounter a loving God expressed supremely in the love of Christ. I pray that we would be changed because of that and therefore be a loving community. I pray that you would allow the thoughts of my hearts, of my heart and the meditations of our thoughts to be pleasing to you. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, when you think about your home or where, you know, what your place of living, wherever you live, or if you have a family, the one thing that you would want people to experience if they come into your home or they spend time with your family, what would that highest compliment be, that one thing be for you? Would it be how nice your dinner plates looked? How tasty that salad or that macaroni and cheese 
was, I don't think that would be your deepest desire, the highest compliment someone can give you. You know what? I think the deepest compliment, highest compliment someone could give if they entered into your home or spent time with your family is that their home and their family is filled with love. It's the deepest and highest compliment someone could give. I was listening to a group of people this past week talk about their experience with the church. And one person said, I like God and I like Jesus. They're not my problem. My problem is with the church. Another person said, I know God is love, but I'm not sure that the church will love me. Another person said, when I was younger, the church was my life. I never missed church. And then I was so hurt, judged, people turned their backs on me, and I vowed at that point to never enter church again. One of the main metaphors that the scriptures use to describe the church is family. And when we believe in Jesus, when we believe the gospel of Jesus, what God does is he constitutes us into brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers with Jesus as our head. We become God's family. But too often, people who come into the family and they come into the church do not experience love. I know the church has hurt many of you. I know even our church and our community have hurt you. Maybe I have. Maybe another brother or a sister in this community has. And for that, I'm sorry. And I pray that as a family, we would receive from longtime members to first-time visitors what I believe to be the highest compliment that this place and us as a people are filled with love. Not how great is their music, not how okay is their teaching, but rather this is a place and a people filled with love, specifically God's love expressing itself through one another. First John 3, verse 11, John writes, for this is the message, this is the truth, this is the good news that you've heard from the beginning. And I think John is referring to the beginning of the Bible. This is the message from the beginning pages of the Scriptures. This is not new. This isn't a message that the apostles brought or that Jesus brought. This is the message of the whole Bible. Love one another. John does not want us to allow this to become overly familiar, to become old. It's vitally important. This has always been the message. So pay attention, church. We are to love one another. Now, before we can really jump into loving one another as a family, we have to look at be becoming part of the family. For in the Bible, who we are always precedes what we do. It's a huge thing to remember when you're reading the Bible. Our identity always shapes our actions. This call to love one another is a call to the church, not to people outside, not to those over there, but to us. So the first thing I want to look at this morning is becoming family. I didn't read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, so let me read it. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I always love the NIV translation of that verse, maybe because I memorized that a long time ago. This is the NIV translation. See what great love 
the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. The way we become family is through the lavish love of the Father who adopts us as his children. I know some of you have adopted children yourselves. Some of you are considering adopting. I think adoption is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. Children don't request their parents. It's the parents who choose to bring a child into their family and to love them. And becoming a Christian, part of God's family, we don't choose God. He chooses us. He sees us and he calls us his son or daughter and he promises to love us unconditionally. When the time comes and we profess faith in Jesus and we want to trust and follow him and we surrender to him, it's not because we decided in our own minds by our own reasoning to follow him. It's because God poured out his lavish love on us. He drew us from darkness into light, from death to life. And he enables us to believe. And by grace, we become part of the family, sons and daughters who get to experience the lavish love of the Father every day. So how do we know if we're in the family of God? We act like the family of God. We love like he loves. The evidence of being in the family of God is the mark of love. Look at verse 14. It says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know we are Christians because we love the brothers and sisters. Here's my second point that I want to spend much more time on. Being family. What does it mean for us to be family? Years ago, a book came out titled All Better. It was a book asking a group of children about the world's problems. Problems like war and world hunger and there was one question asked to this group of children, and it was, there are billions of people in our world. How do you think we can make sure that no one in our world is ever lonely? The problem of loneliness. One child, Kalini, said, people should find lonely people, ask their name and address, then find other lonely people and pair them up. <laughs> Matt said, you just give every person a pet, and they will never be lonely. Max said, very creatively, we should make the food you eat talk so that when you're eating, which people are always doing, they're never alone. <laughs> and then Brian said, sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, and I do one of these. Reality is that many people, many of us, are deeply lonely. All of us long for love. The church, the community of believers should be the place where love is expressed. And I use that, that word should purposefully. There are not many shoulds or oughts in the Apostle John's writings, but there is here. We should love one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes, faith, hope, and love remain. The greatest of these is love love. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created. And when he created, he created a world where the love of God and the love of one another was perfectly expressed. This has been the message from the very beginning to love. But the enemy of God, the devil, crept in 
wanted the glory, got tired of worshiping God, wanted power, led Adam and Eve away from God, and, and they sinned and they distrusted their father. And in their sin and distrust, they pushed God away, and not only pushed God away, they pushed each other away. So that love with God and love with each other was disrupted, so much so and so quickly that in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we read of two sons, the older killing the younger because the older got jealous and envious of the younger. And he gets angry and spills the blood of his younger brother. Cain, the older, kills Abel, the younger. Perfect love in Genesis 1 through 2 quickly becomes hatred for the other in Genesis chapter 4. Love or hatred, two contrasting ways of living, or as John calls them here in 1 John, two families. Two ways, two families, the family and way of Cain or the family and the way of Christ. So I want to look a little bit at the way of Cain. Let me refresh you if you've been, or if you've heard of Cain, let me tell you for the first time if you haven't. In Genesis 4, Cain and Abel are brothers. And Cain envies his little brother Abel because God is pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not pleased with his own. And Genesis 4 tells us that sin's crouching at Cain's door, that he should watch out, but he doesn't. So he lashes out at his brother and murders him. And John here in 1 John chapter 3 is telling us to not be like Cain. Now, the, the, the church that John is writing to is not, act, they're not actually murdering one another like physically like Cain did to Abel. What John is talking about is the depth of the heart that leads unto murder. It's a lot like what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, anyone who gets angry commits murder. So John is saying, don't be like Cain. Don't get envious. Don't get jealous. In your anger, you're acting like Cain. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you refer to your brother and call him Raka, which is Aramaic meaning fool, you've committed murder. Fool. A fool. You know, when you call someone a fool, it's coming from a place of criticalness. Such a fool. Judgment. I'm better. Slander, gossip. You're acting like Cain, not the family of God. We know we've passed from death to life. We know we are Christians by our love, not by how much we hate Republicans or Democrats, not by how much we hate CNN or Fox. Hatred is the way of Cain, not the way of Christ, not the way of Christians. So what is love? Look at verse 16. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, over the past three weeks, I think our nation and the world has been tuned in to Thailand. Have you been paying attention to the 12 young boys and their coach uh, who were stuck in a cave, apparent death? stuck in darkness, and then this past week the world celebrated as the 12 young boys and the coach were rescued and brought to safety, all 13 having life. But we cannot forget that there was one, right? Salman 
Gunan, a Thai Navy SEAL who lost his life. By placing the oxygen tanks along the escape route, one person who gave his life to save the others. Jesus gave his life away so that he could save our life. Jesus willingly went to the cross where the Father turned his face away from his beloved Son so that by faith in Christ, we could have the face of approval from our heavenly Father who calls us sons and daughters. We must be leveled by the love of Christ, undone by the love of Christ, if we're ever going to love like him. The love of Christ has to get inside of you, has to get deep inside of our hearts to change us from within so that then the eyes of judgment and the whispers of gossip and the spirits of critique that often and too often exist within the church begin to be dispelled. Only when the love of Christ grips us will we love like he loves. We all create barriers inside of our hearts. We do it through critique. We do it through judgment. We do it through jealousy, through envy. We wall ourselves off from one another. We push away. We do it culturally and socially, creating barriers between one another. We do it through race and class and age and stage. But the love of Christ breaks down all barriers so that we love everyone in the family. Do you know when the first time the term Christian was used? It was in a city called Antioch. It's a culturally diverse city. Africans, Syrians, Jews, and barbarians all living within this city. And with Antioch, there were Walls within the main wall. All cities had a ma main wall that protected them from invasion. But within Antioch, there were walls within the main wall so that Africans lived with Africans and Syrians with Syrians because they hated each other. And then something came to Antioch, the Spirit of God, bringing the love of Christ to bear, the Father pouring out his lavish love upon the people of Antioch so that they were leveled by his love. And it got deep inside of them so that the African and Syrian and Jew and barbarian all began to worship together because they saw each other as equal and they loved each other. And the world had never seen anything like it. So they were called Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian, that we ought to love one another. Well, how do we do that? Verse 16 says, we lay our lives down for one another. Jesus is the exemplar. He is the example. We give ourselves away for each other. We seek to console others, not to be consoled. We seek to understand others, not to be understood. We give ourselves away for the sake of the other. John gets very practical with us in verses 16 to 18. So I'm going to get practical with you too, if you'll allow me to. I'm going to give us four things this morning, four practical applications of what this love really looks like. Here's the first thing that I'll say. Love is commitment to the church. When you become a Christian, you don't just get God, you get his people. Love is committing to a people. And now, if you're just a guest this morning, you're visiting, this is not my pressure or push to try to get you to join Christ Central Church. 
If you are a Christian, I would encourage you to join a church, to commit to a people. And if you are a member of Christ Central, how are you loving her? How are you committed to her? Now hear me say committed to her, the church, not to me, not to Timothy. One of the most beautiful things that an elder in our church said to me one time was that, Daniel, you and Timothy can leave, but we're staying because we're committed to this church. You love her. You don't love us. You love the church. You're committed to a people. If I say I love my wife or I love my family, but I never give to them, I don't give money to pay the bills, I never buy groceries, I spend time playing with my children, or I never take my wife out on dates, do I really love them? We're to give ourselves away, our time and our talent and our treasures for the sake of the church. Heard a pastor recently say this, that when he's leading his pastor's class of membership, that he, at the very end, he makes a promise to those who want to become members. He says, hey, I want to give you a promise that if you join our church, you're going to be disappointed. You will serve and not be thanked. You're going to reach out to people and no one's going to respond to you. If you join our church, you're going to be let down. But we're, we'd love to have you. We would love for you to come and be a part of our church. And just let me tell you, go, go ahead and kind of pressure off. You're going to let people down as well. Because the church is not a perfect place. But it is the bride of Christ. And when Christ brought his salvation, he came to save a people. He came to redeem a church. Christian love is commitment unto the church. Here's the second thing of application. Love does not mean like. There will be people in our community that you will not like. That's okay. Liking is natural. We like people that are kind of like us. The world likes. doesn't require much effort. Loving is supernatural. It's Christ-likeness. It's giving. Loving means listening to that person who annoys you because they talk too much, but you're going to listen means cooking a meal for that person that you don't like because they have a need. It means you can disagree about things and then you still show up for one another. It means moving towards someone who's hurt you. It's giving. We will not always like everybody in the church, but we ought to love everyone. Here's the third thing. Loving love is easy. Actually, loving is hard. Loving love's easy. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's easier to read a book about love or where love is displayed, this picture of love, and, and love the idea of love. Or watch a TV show like This Is Us and love the idea or listen to a song about love or even read a book about the church being a loving community. And we love the idea of a loving community, but then the rubber hits the road and when you leave here and you get in your car, and some of you are y'all, you're beelining out here every Sunday anyway. Like, whoo, I don't want to run into actual people. I love the idea of love. And then you're gone, right? It's easy. And then you would get into the car and that possibility of critique, something about the service we didn't like, something I said, something Timothy wore. <laughs> uh, 
and start critiquing. Start being harsh toward our brother or our sister. Have that conversation. There's a little bitterness in our spirit. Smells a lot more like Cain than it does Jesus. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote that it's easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. People of God love particularly because we've been loved particularly. We've been forgiven, so we forgive. We've been shown mercy, so we can show mercy. Here's the last point of application. Love is material and tangible. Look at verse 17 again. Anyone who has the world's goods and sees a need. God has given you, me, us, his church, the world's goods. And we are to use our material, tangible possessions and talents for the sake of others. Love is using your money to help someone who's in financial need. And it might mean you put less into your savings account or your retirement account. Love is cooking a meal for someone when you are exhausted and you just want to rest. Love is spending time with someone who is sick when you would rather just go home and watch a TV show. Love is using your home to have someone in it and feed them rather than a quiet night alone. It's tutoring a child. It's building a home. Love is many things. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8, speaks to this, and this is what that passage says. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Josephus, a very early church father, wrote that no Jew, the Jews, the people of God in the Old Testament, no Jew depended on outsiders for charitable support since the Jews cared for all of their destitute and disabled brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy, Josephus, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, they're not saying that we're to give to every single poor person that we come across. Now, I will say that many of us, myself included, may need to pray more than we do about giving to every single poor person that we come across. But what this is for sure saying is that within our faith community, within the family of God, within our church, there should be no need unmet. No need unmet. That's a high calling that requires two things. One that Indy even alluded to earlier of vulnerability. She wasn't alluding to this, but vulnerability of you letting us know if you have need, and then others of us stepping out to meet those needs. Timothy told me, I didn't even know this, that a couple of weeks ago someone stood up and asked for prayer because they didn't have money for a surgery that was needed. And someone that morning said, I want to give money to meet that need. That's love. That's what it means to be the church. It's a high calling to say there's no need unmet. And I'll say that we won't be a church like this unless we're humbled by the love of Christ. 
unless we are intoxicated by the love of Jesus and it gets deep in us and it changes us. Galatians 5, 6, Paul writes that faith expresses itself in love. We are people of faith and faith expresses itself in love and love is always active. It's always moving. So let me ask you a question to be very practical. I want you to think about three people that you could write down this morning. Three people that you could show love toward. Three people perhaps that you ought to show love toward. You know you should be showing love, but you've been resisting. And then I want you to think about how you can practically and tangibly love them this week and next week. It may mean it's just confessing sin to them. It may mean writing a note, making a phone call, an email, cooking a meal, cleaning a house. It may mean sitting down with someone and just lending an ear to someone who needs to talk. If we're a community of love, if we are a community of love, we will be meeting the needs of one another. And if we're not a community of love, I'll go ahead and say we should shut our doors. Close this thing down. Because we can have good music and okay teaching and we can come in here on a Sunday morning and we can love the idea of love, but if we're not undone by the love of Christ and if it doesn't truly lead us to break through the walls in the lives of individuals and if it doesn't lead us to break down the walls socially and culturally, we can go start some other enterprise because we're not being the church. We're to be a place of love, a family of love. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that you do what only you can do. Have your love planted deep within us, that we might experience it, not just know it, but experience it. The love of Christ that never fails, would we be undone by it? That the Father looks at us in Christ and smiles and delights and sings over us a love that is high and wide and deep, a love that we all long for. May we experience it so that it leads us, Lord, to love one another the way you've called us to love each other. Thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.